Hi, this is Carson with Troy. I have with me today, Lauren D. Fulter. Now, Lauren, this is uh, it's, it's going to be a treat because you were 16 when you first published um, your first novel and you've written three books. You've been consistent one a year. And for those of you who want to look up and, and read her books and buy them, um, it is the Unanswered Questions um, series. The first book is the Unanswered Questions. Um, the second book is, and I might get the second word wrong. The You're good. Is the yeah, Curatrix, you got it. <laughs> right, the Curatrix Code. And the third book of The Shadow Soul. Now, like I said, you've been very, very consistent, putting out a book um, every December, if I remember right. You've been consistent every December for the last past three years. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah. about the series. Um, well, like you said, uh, my pen name is Lauren D. Fulter, and I have been writing consistently since I was 12. That's when I first made the decision I wanted to be an author. I um, lived here in Arizona my entire life, and um, my family likes to joke that writing is my only personality trait. And like you said, I did publish when I was 16. I worked on my first book for four years. It was inspired by when I was in middle school and I have really bad ADHD. So I dropped out up, dropped out of middle school to homeschool for a year or two. And that's when I started coming up with these story ideas. And I think having that time to do a more less traditional way of schooling was kind of what helped me be able to learn to write a lot better. And so that's when I published the first book when I was 16, inspired by this story. And then just every year since, um, yeah, that's basically the story behind me and where that story came from. So, you know, writing is very difficult and it's, you have to be consistent at it as you're, uh, if you want to publish regularly, what are some of your habits to stay consistent? I mean, um, if you started when you're 16, I think you told me you're 18 right now. Uh, yeah. I'm not exactly sure, 18 years old. So, I mean, I look back when I was 16, 17, 18, like I wasn't disciplined enough. So like, this is inspiring to see you as you know a teenager who, you know, you could go out with friends, you could go out and do other things, um, but you have chosen to, to do this and to build a career. Um, so what are some of your habits in order to stay this consistent? Um, so when I did, so I went back to school in high school. So that was definitely a struggle was to balance school and writing and like having a social life. I like to always joke that I didn't really have a social life, but I don't know. It was again, I want to be a published author. And it was kind of like, so I am or I'm not, I can do this later. I can do it now. And something inside me was like, I have this story I want to tell and I'm going to get it told. And like I said earlier, since this story was kind of something that was very comforting for me for like my ADHD and like anxiety, it was sort of like a coping mechanism. And so like the fact that other people could read this story was always really exciting to me. And so just that motivation of knowing that one day people can read this story one day soon, if I try hard enough, that was enough motivation for me to kind of force myself to do it. And I'm not like the most disciplined person. So <laughs> I'm still surprised that I've managed to do it so far. Um, it would be like every day after school, I would like set aside an hour if I didn't have homework and just to write and stuff like that. And writing is fun for me for the most part. Like, of course, there were days where I'm like, oh, is really what made it worth it. Like, if you want something hard enough, I truly believe that you can make it happen. But um, yeah, and that's, now that's fantastic. People yeah, can same. learn from you, you know, like if it's, even if it's just an hour, even if it's 20 minutes, like as long as you're consistent, mm -hmm. like you can build um, Oh, yeah. like you can do you can write a book 
for oh, yeah, out. for sure. I think people really underestimate how much you can write if you're really focused in 20 minutes. But yeah, it no. takes practice. It's a muscle. Yeah, it, that is a very good point. And that's something people don't understand. If you take 20 minutes and right now you can only get 50 words in, if you do that mm -hmm. consistently six months, it could be 250 words. And oh yeah, do that, for sure. you know, for another year, like be five hundred. Like, like you said, it's a muscle you can continue to grow, but mm -hmm. you have to be consistent at it in order for it to grow. Yeah, exactly. So you you published these books yourself. What made or what helped you decide to go that route? Um, so it's a bit complicated. So my opinions on traditionally publishing and self-publishing are always changing because the industry is always changing. But I've decided to self-publish this series because I it doesn't really fit within what is currently being marketed in YA. YA is a complete mess of a genre right now. So for me, I just didn't think it was going to fit for what publishers were looking for. And I also really wanted to have creative control. Like, I want to know what the covers look like. I want to know how long they can be. Again, my books are about 150,000 words each. And so that's, again, not a uh, industry standard. And so just having that kind of control and those decisions for the way I wanted to tell my story was really important um, for self-publishing. And like the fact that I can make an eight book series and do it all on my own time is also very important to me. Because again, I don't usually have the widely available schedule most traditionally authors, traditionally published authors do. So yeah, it was just the flexibility, the creative control, and like the ability to get to choose what I wanted to do. That was really what leaned me towards self-publishing. Nice. So what was sort of the genesis for the story? Um, genesis. Like, I have to like, clarify that question. <laughs> like what was the what was the things that sparked the idea to explore the oh, okay. idea? So um, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I started writing when I was 12. So I have a bit weirder origins of a story than most people. Um, so I, I like I said, I struggled with anxiety and ADHD when I was in, oh, I still struggle with ADHD, but <laughs> I struggled specifically with anxiety when I was 12. So to kind of cope with it, I would like walk around the backyard and tell myself stories specifically about like my American Girl dolls and Legos, which sounds a little weird, but that's where my characters came from. And so I kind of like evolved these characters from these characters I'd made up when I was younger into like this a lot more dramatic story. Like <laughs> these little Lego guys were fighting each other to the death in my head, stuff like that. And so the story kind of came from that and it evolved a lot. Like the story is completely different if you heard my 12 year old version, but like <laughs> the essence of who these characters were and what they were doing and then like their friendships, that's where it started. So they've been through a lot of different stories. They just ended up here. <laughs> that's fantastic. You, you mentioned earlier that you plan on doing an eight book series. Is that what your goal yes. is? So do mm -hmm. you outline, do you have a, you know, where the story is going or do you just kind of have certain yeah. points that you want to get to? Like what's your, your writing process? So I do, so I used to be a really, I think that's the term is panster. I used to be like a super big, outlines are the worst person, but as I've gotten older, I've realized, oh, outlines are actually really helpful. So um, yeah, now I've outlined a lot more of the series and I used to go more like you were saying, like, here's a plot point where I want to be by this point. But now I've slowly started to um, outline each book, especially since I only have four left really to write in the series is a lot easier. Whereas with book one, I was like, there's a lot going on here. So yeah, it was definitely a learning curve because I'm still learning how to write. I haven't been writing super long. So right now I'm at the like plotting phase. I'm learning how to plot. So yeah. So um, everybody is different, right? Everybody mm -hmm. has different things that they do. Have you found like a, a plotting device or, or a way to plot that works for you? And if so, like, 
Do you have a, a minute to share that with us? Um, yeah, so can, can two you things, summarize actually. it? I should say, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, pretty no. simple because again, <laughs> it's actually pretty simple because I don't really like plotting, so I had to make it simple. Um, save the cat is the method I use, it's a book you can buy, it, you can look it up for free online. Super easy, like super flexible with all different sorts of stories, and it's really easy for me to understand. And I also use the writing software Plotter. Again, really easy, very visual. It's kind of like putting sticky notes on a wall, but it's online. So those two things put together really helped simplify it for me because I know outlining can be super scary and it, it intimidated me when I was younger. And I know some people love the complicated outlines, but I just need something simple, <laughs> know where I'm going. You're actually the third or fourth person that has suggested Save the Cat. So for people yeah. who are struggling, um, that that is a resource that you might be able to do if you're you're finding great. that you're running into a wall each time you try to write. So that's, mm -hmm. that's great advice and a great tip. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. It's not failed me yet. <laughs> that's awesome. So as we know, you know, writing is difficult and sometimes it takes more than one uh, pass through to, to get it right. Lots of times that mm -hmm. has to do with an editor to help you out. Do you edit most of your books or do you send it off to an editor? And if you do, how, how did you find that editor? Um, so this is actually a long story. I, I do use we editors got time. because <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I don't want to bash any of my editors, but I have had bad editors and great editors. I think I've had seven editors at this point. Oh, wow. My books again are very long. So they have to go through a long process. In fact, when I published my first book, it was published with a bunch of typos despite hiring an editor. So I had to hire another one, all that stuff. So yeah, I found out a lot of my editors online, um, specifically through Instagram, because that's where I'm most active. And th there's a lot of author groups that I'm a part of who recommend editors. So it's a little bit awkward if I don't like an editor and we're friends, but that hasn't happened yet. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely testing. A lot of editors offer like what's it called? Sample edits. And I did not take advantage of that when I first started. And I really think you should because editors and authors, you're a team. You want to find somebody that you work well with and works well with your story. I think every editor has a different editing style and every author has a different writing style. So finding one that works for you is a bit of a challenge, but once you do, you'll definitely not regret it. Otherwise you'll publish a book with a bunch of typos. So, but yeah, I use editors. I use two editors per book now. I... Nice. And yeah. that's, that's something that uh, for people that are just starting out, if they want to go the indie route, like mm -hmm. you're in charge of everything, right? So not only do you have to yeah. write the book, but then you have to get it polished enough to where it has to compete on the marketplace with traditionally published. Whereas yeah. traditionally published, the author most of the time is like, okay, you give it to a publishing house and they have in-house editors. <laughs> they handle the rest. Yeah, they have in-house cover designers. Now you have very, very um, fantastic covers. Like I can look at the, oh, your covers. Thank you and get a sense of what they are. And again, this is something that somebody might not think of as they're going on their indie journey. Mm -hmm. um, what did you do to find your your cover artist? Um, so again, I grew up with a, a lot of influences of fictional media and I really love art. And so I really wanted to have an illustrated cover. And I know illustrated covers aren't a big thing in the YA industry, but I think they're coming back. So I really wanted to do that. And again, I found this artist on Instagram her name is, or her username is Clemony Arts. Um, I don't know if she wants her real name shared, so I'll just say her username. But she was around my age and she's like a concept artist. That's what she wants to do. And so I was able to work with her and it was amazing. It was super cool. And it was great that she's the first artist I work with and she did a fantastic job. 
So, but yeah, I just, it really started from my love of like illustrated covers, which are typically in the middle grade genre. So I get that confusion a little bit, but I love how they turned out and a lot of other people do too. So. No, they look great. And going back to both editor and your artist, it sounds like you have a great working relationship. And with your editor, this might be something that people might find to have or might find that they have a difficult time with is if they're not right to let them go. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. how, like, do you have any advice for those people who have found somebody that like just don't work out for them? So I'm again, it's a professional relationship. So I think I don't want to like make it super dramatic. Like if you don't decide to work with them again, they're usually not going to be offended. I'm friends with editors. So you're just a client to them for the most part, unless you guys are like besties and that maybe that's a little more awkward. But yeah, usually if they don't work out for a book and you don't hire for them the next one, they're probably not going to notice or really care because they've got other jobs to work on. So I would say don't stress about it unless they like come up to you and ask. But I don't I don't know if that's like an industry thing to do, but yeah. I would say it's really not that big of a deal. It's you're just hiring a service and they're, you're their client. That's how that professional um, relationship should be. So letting go of an editor was easier for me because I have a series. So if I ask them not to work on the second book, it usually it's never been brought up before. <laughs> they're probably like, oh, there goes Lauren again, hiring five different people for things. But <laughs> yeah, Typically, I would say it's it's not that hard. If you don't want to work with somebody, they're probably not going to be offended. If they have a very professional, if they're professional, they shouldn't care. No, that's that's great advice is understanding mm -hmm. the relationship between you and the people that you're hiring because you're literally mm -hmm. hiring them to do a job that you want. So, I mean, yeah, to be able to be it, to speak to them, frankly, I think is important in, in any sort of business relationship. In fact, I don't know if you've ever seen Moneyball and this is kind of off the, <laughs> the topic, but it's 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 similar. So. They, Brad Pitt is a GM of a um, major league baseball club, uh, the Oakland A's, and Jonah Hill has a character that kind of is kind of helping him. And Brad Pitt gives Jonah Hill an assignment to cut a player, like, right, you're done. And Jonah Hill's kind of stressing about it, right? And they go in a room with the player, and Jonah's like, um, "You've been cut." And the guy's like, "Okay, anything else?" Like he was super stressed about mm -hmm. it, but the guy understood that. You know, it's a profession, it's things happen. And so, you know, you don't have to stress about it as much as, as what your mind makes it out. Yeah, exactly. A lot of it's just up here. <laughs> right, right, right. No, so, I mean, there's there's a couple aspects for writing a book. One, you have to write. Two, you have to get it polished. Three, you have to, because books um, are judged by covers and you have a fantastic cover. Now, the, the fourth component of that is you have to sell your book in order for mm -hmm. it to make a living. How have you... Um, adapted to marketing changes? What do you do for marketing? Um, what have you done? Definitely lots of different things. Um, currently, I have a lot more of like a comedic um, approach to things. I've realized that people really like comedy when it comes to books, um, or at least mine in particular. So right now, a big thing I have learned that people really enjoy from me is I draw I'm not the best artist ever, but I do these little animation reels with my characters to like funny audios. And those usually do pretty well. One, they're fun to watch, they're colorful, and people are interested to learn more about the story from the reels. So I use reels. It's like Instagram's version of TikTok. So that is something I've learned does pretty well. Um, again, I don't want to bombard the audience. So I want to like spruce up content as I go so sometimes I'll do one of those reels sometimes I'll do like an update post or I'll hop on a trend like recently there was some Barbie trend and I 
jumped on that with like the villain of my book, which was really weird, but really funny and people liked it. So it's really like figuring out what the internet is looking for. It's, it's a lot. And marketing is like my favorite thing and also my least favorite thing at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's always changing, especially Instagram algorithms and what people are interested in. So it's really finding your footing is really hard, especially in the beginning. But I still feel like I'm figuring it out. Now, I met you at Phoenix Fan Fusion, and, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's part of marketing, like getting your book in front of people. Yeah. How did you, um, how do you feel that went? Is it, was that your first one? or you? Is it, yeah, that was my first before? convention, like, ever. Like, I've never even been as just a, a guest. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so how did that work out for you? If you, if somebody's like, okay, I want to, um, I want to go to a convention to sell my books, do you have any advice or things that you changed, um, your successes that you found? I realized that the convention was really great for connections, but sales wise was not really awesome for me. I bought 500 books. I think I was overestimating myself and I sold a 41. <laughs> so again, still good, but like not that great. But again, I, I would not regret going. It was like the most fun weekend I've ever had. And I've met so many amazing like people who are working in the industry, other authors, got lots of advice, see how other people, sorry, sold things. Um, it was great. Like I've never been in an environment with so many other creators before. So that was like a really unique experience, but sales wise, not amazing. But again, I did see other people selling super well. Again, a lot of other authors had more books out with different genres so that appealed to like a larger audience of people. Um, I, sales might not have been great, but a lot of, so I had a lot of free art prints and like business cards and I ran out of those and I had to have had like 400 of them. Oh, so nice. I think that is a good sign. At least people have heard of me now. So again, yeah. connections, great. Conventions are great for that. Just sales, man. But again, I think connections are just as valuable as sales because those can turn into sales later on. No, but, exactly. Yeah. And you're, it sounds like you were kind of going in blind. You weren't, not, you know, you didn't know what to <laughs> expect. You didn't know sure. exactly how to, how to do this. So like, you know, that mm -hmm. was a, probably a good learning experience. So you can kind oh, of, yeah. especially seeing what other people have to uh, see, mm -hmm. okay. Like they have a big banner, they have some props, they have, you know, stickers that they have, and, and you know, anything that other people have, like you can learn from that. So um, are, you, are you thinking about doing any other conventions this year? Oh any yeah. I'm really, I have a lot of stock. I got to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm totally, I mean, like you said, I learned a lot just being there. Like i some people were dressing up as their characters and like all that. Like, oh, that's such a good idea. Or like one guy was giving out a PS5. I couldn't do that, but I'm like, that's still a good idea and all that. So I would love to do that. Um, I'm planning on doing more uh, later this year, but I am moving. So I haven't like officially consolidated where they will be, but I would love to do Fan Fusion again. That was really cool. Nice. Yeah, that's that's actually my second time I've gone to Fan Fusion, and the people there have been so gracious and kind and stuff. So like, that's a oh good for first one. That's a good one to go to. Yeah, I was so surprised. Like everybody there was so nice. I've talked that I talked to, but yeah. Oh, uh, exactly. So um, you know, you could have written in any genre, right? Like you could have been a writer in, I don't know thrillers or mystery or like what what drew you to fantasy what are some of your inspirations like who inspired you to, to write in the fantasy genre um i so since i started when i was younger some of these answers might be a little less professional but because it's really fun 
um, I don't know, fantasy. So it's actually science fantasy. So it takes place in the future and there's magic. So that kind of element gives you a lot of creative freedom. And for me, who was like writing the story to kind of cope with things at first, that was super duper fun. Like here are all these teenagers. This is how I market it in person is like, there's a bunch of teenagers who shouldn't have magical powers. And it's a really fun concept. There's a lot to go on and there's a lot of fun world building, but it's still grounded in like our world. So I don't know. I think fantasy, you can really make any story out of fantasy. That's why fantasy is such a big genre. There are so many people doing so many different things with fantasy. And I think that's what's so fun about it is just how much you can do with it. Um, but yeah, science fantasy I chose specifically because it was still grounded in our world. And I think there's that adds like a new level of uniqueness to it. I know it's called urban fantasy, but it's science fantasy for lots of complicated genres. But taking place in the future added like a whole new level to that. It was really interesting to like see how would people function after a post-apocalyptic war and then have this supernatural threat afterward. Again, all these like fun themes that I got to explore that you can't really explore in like a normal setting in like Chicago in 2023. <laughs> but yeah, no, it really, it's really just fun. <laughs> I love fantasy. It's so much fun to read and a lot of fun to write. And again, you can explore a lot of themes and certain elements that are harder to without these fantastical elements. So I always ask, well, a lot of times I ask like, what was mm -hmm. their gateway into the fantasy genre? Do you, do you remember like what kind of sparked that interest to continue reading or, or exploring that? Um, so I guess, okay. The first like book that I read that was like a mainstream book was Percy Jackson and the Chronicles of Narnia. So similar, but different. Mm -hmm. And I loved them. Like I have this illustrated version of Narnia that I would read over and over again. Like that was so cool to me. And really, see, so yeah, so Narnia, Narnia is a pretty modern story. It's literally about kids who were in World War II who went through a wardrobe and go into this magical land. Like that's a pretty like modern concept. Like I feel like someone could publish a book like that today. And so I feel that story is still very relevant to uh, what the fantasy genre today. And it's a ton of fun to read. It's a great story. And Percy Jackson is the same thing. The art, the writing style is fantastic. Younger main characters doing chaotic things. That's my whole gist. And again, both of them have kind of this grounding in our already established world that gave like a kind of unique view. It was like, I was there too, because I'm also in the real world, but I don't have the cool magical stuff. So I'll just read about it instead. <laughs> so that's kind of. So obviously you've grown as an author. Um, you know, things you were in high school when you started or, or middle school-ish. Um, what are some of your habits now to, to stay consistent? Um, so I'm in a weird spot in my life right now because I'm actually taking a gap year. So I'm working right now, not in school. But now, um, since I don't have homework, I can write a lot more. But I've also found that that gives me like more time to procrastinate. <laughs> so it's definitely, it's different. So I have gotten to the habit of writing during my work break so at least if I don't write after work I know I've written for a solid 30 minutes today and again like um we both talked about earlier I can write like a thousand words in 30 minutes if I've been doing it a lot and so that's pretty helpful and I also try to write in the evening like I did when I was in school yeah it's really awesome to also have writer friends because they I'll call them now since we're all adults, yay, not in school anymore. And we can do writing sprints, also super duper helpful, especially now that I have more distractions. Um, writing sprints are great, writing friends are great. The community is awesome. <laughs> so 
So it sounds yeah, like you have just, a regular writing group. Yeah, well, it's not like an established group, but we're just a group of friends that were all met on Instagram, and then we just decided we're going to be awesome and write books. So that's how I do it. But yeah, no, I love meeting people. That's why well, I love fan fusion so much. Having a support system, I think, is key in order mm -hmm. to achieve goals. So, like you know, they always say I've read many times where you're the average of the five people you hang around with. So if those mm -hmm. five people are are authors, there's more than likely that you're going to be an author as well. So that's very good that you've surrounded yourself yeah. with people who have the same goals. Yeah, for sure. And it's also really hard to procrastinate when your friend is like texting you five times a day. So how's your writing going? Exactly. Like, oh, I better start doing that. <laughs> so, so, I mean, yeah. you, you mentioned like a 30 minute writing sprint during your, mm -hmm. your break. Um, when your friends text you, are they like, okay, um, you have a, we got 10 minutes right now. See how many words you can get in or, or are they longer? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Cause our, they know when I'm off of work. So it'll be like five o'clock, like right now. And they'd be like, Hey, do you want to do a sprint for like 30 minutes? And I'm like, okay, I have nothing else to do. So, but yeah, no, they're awesome. That's, that's awesome. And for people who are beginning this journey, like we talked mm -hmm. about before, like right in 50 words in 20 minutes or half hour might be where you're at right now. Um, writing sprints, I think, are a great way for you to get in the habit uh, of writing. Yeah. And if you can find, you know, go to conventions. There, There's a lot around the country, wherever you are, around the world, really. But find some people who can help you achieve your goal. You know, you found these friends who are willing to do writing sprints with you, I think, um, has, has helped you along your journey. And I think that if somebody is struggling to just finish a book, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they've they've been writing for a long time, but have never, like, Completed a book like that's one way that they can um, yeah get it done seriously like having a support group changes everything you can find people online you can find people in conventions conventions are great I think having real life personal connections with people is super cool so but yeah like you said I, I kind of didn't think about that but seriously I think having writing friends really changes everything because like you said if everybody else around you is trying to become an author you have a stronger motivation to do the same now, are these friends that you knew before you became an author or is it just people that you've met along no. the way? <laughs> no, yeah, people I met along the way. So that's a really great thing. Most of my friends I met through Instagram, through writing. One of my friends I actually um, was a big fan big fan of when I was younger. So I saw her on like teen author, like writing websites and stuff. And then one day she messaged me on Instagram and I was fangirling like super hard. And I was like, no way. But we're really close in age and now we're really good friends and now I've met her in person three times and like stayed at her house so it's crazy what the internet can do but yeah I've met a lot of really cool um, people online and a lot of them my age too like you'd be surprised they're 50 year old authors becoming releasing their debut or you can meet a 15 year old and be like what are you doing here <laughs> so yeah that, there's that's so many amazing people. no that's that's amazing you know when you, like you said like you can meet people who you look up to and they can totally mm -hmm. become a mentor or an, and a friend and somebody oh, yeah. that you can call up at any time. So uh, I, I think that's funny that you're totally fangirling over, over this person. That's, that's amazing. And and now you could probably call this person up and um, yeah. they would probably pick up the phone. Like they would probably, you know, no hesitation. So that's, yeah, that's amazing. I think she just texted text. me like 10 minutes ago. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, yeah, but so talking about fangirl, um, are, are there authors you look up to and, and who are those people that inspire you? Um, you just have to look at my massive bookshelf now because it's like every person ever. 
Jonathan Stroud. Okay, so my three favorite like traditionally published book series are what two, I guess. Artemis Fowl and uh, the Lockwood and Co. series are two of my favorites of all time. Um, so I, I love Jonathan Stroud and I love Owen Colford. They're amazing. They Both of them are YA series. Like Artemis Fowl is kind of classified as middle grade depending on the country, but I love their writing style. It's quirky. It's fun. It's magical. It's very emotional. It makes me sad all the time, but it's, that's how you know it worked when you, they punch you in the gut. That's when you know. So, but yeah, I really look up to them because they're not huge in the publishing industry. Owen Colford was like in the early 2000s, but he kind of drowned. They're a lot less, they're, they're big names, but they're like more like down there. And so I really look up to them because they're guys who managed to make a living off of this, but still seem to be like pretty humble, living their life, having a great time. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to write great stories and I want to make a living off of it. And these guys still seem like grounded, reasonable people just living their lives. And I love it. So, and they write great books. I totally recommend Artemis Fowl or Lockwood & Co. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, it sounds like good examples to, to look up to. Um, I haven't read either yet. Um, of course, when they came out, I was, you know, in my mid-20s, late-20s. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I was even was... born when Artemis Fowl came out. <laughs> I, I wasn't reading um, YA and middle grade at that point mm -hmm. in my life. But, you know, I have kids in that genre now. So I we listen to, to tons of of stuff now like middle grade yeah. and NYA so um it's on our list actually so yeah. they're both very cool. clean very good but very well written so you yeah. know you we, we talked about um or, or you just mentioned like books you know make you cry get you emotional um mm -hmm. and that's how you know you're the good book um I just got off with the interview of a gentleman who uses beta readers. And one of the things that mm -hmm. he likes as beta readers is they you know he tells them how as a story is progressing um, how it makes them feel like it, it, they're not editors, so he doesn't want them to tell them all the nitpicky, like what's spelling and, and stuff like that. Like he wants, as the chapters go on, how does it make you feel that like, are you getting, are you liking this character? You know, these characters, is it dragging? Do you use beta readers? And if so, like, how did you find them? Um, I do use beta readers. I, for my first book, I had two rounds of beta readers and initially they were just a bunch of friends that I had and they weren't great. So I went online again and on Instagram and I kind of did, I was like, hey, I have a book. You can read it for free if you want to be a beta reader. And I pulled this group of like 10 people who were like basically strangers to me who just wanted to read a book. And so um, it was great. Like the guy said before, it was really insightful to get these people who had no connections to me or this story whatsoever and get their feedback for the first time. It hurt, but it was really good for the story. Um, and it was great because again, I made connections with those people and this story was way better because of it. And, but yeah, but I think I had different experiences with the second and third book because again, it's a series. So these beta readers that I would ask for again, would be readers of the first book. So it was a bit more difficult to find genuine advice with them because I wasn't sure if they were just a fan of the story or not. <laughs> so but yeah, finding that valuable advice is great. But again, with a series, I do think there's a plus side because these people do have a bigger understanding of the characters by like book three. And so when they're telling you like, this is not how they would act according to how they act in the first two books, it hurts. But I'm like, you're right. You know this better than me. So it's great. It's a humbling experience, but beta readers are 100% necessary. I don't think I could recommend releasing a book without showing it to at least three beta readers at least first. Mm -hmm. Having... I know there's an author, I forgot her, I think it's Bethany Wong, 
on YouTube, she had like a hundred beta readers for one of her books. Like oh, wow. the more eyes, the better. I don't know. A hundred is a lot. I don't even know yeah. how I meet a hundred people. I don't know but how you manage that. I know. I'm like, that's a lot of people, but she did it somehow. But yeah, um, beta readers are extremely helpful because you would rather have somebody tell you what's wrong with your book and what's right with your book before it's published. Like you can fix it now. You can't fix it when you get a scathing review on Goodreads. You just kind of have to look at that one. But yeah, no, bigger readers are great. And again, like you were mentioning, the other author was saying, um, they're also great because you can ask them more specific questions. Like, I want this scene to feel a certain way. Does it feel that way? How do you think I could fix that? Or this character isn't working in this scene. How do you, how would you suggest to fix that? They have an outside view. We're, as authors, we're so involved. They're not in your head. They're just looking at it from an outside view. So sometimes their perspectives are so refreshing. Like one time I had a problem with the scene. I was like, I have no idea how to fix it. And then the uh, my reader, your author friend just looked at me and she's like, here's the solution. And I was like, I would have never thought about that. That is so simple. Oh my goodness. So sometimes having that outside view just is, it's so helpful. Nice. Yeah. And Being an author is a solo act, but it's, you need it's, friends but, along the way. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of people to to have a solo act, right? <laughs> For sure. So like, like a team effort. Technically, Elvis Presley was a solo act, but he had a lot of people on the, on those instruments helping him out. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i mean let's, let's talk about beta readers a little bit more like you said you had uh beta readers book one they didn't work out very well um mm -hmm. i know as somebody who's watching this and somebody who's listening to this if you want to be a beta reader like please take it seriously like and understand what the mm -hmm. author is looking for i think that that back and forth between you and the author um get clear communication of what they're looking for because there might be you might come to them and be like, oh, I, I thought this and this and this. And like, well, that's not what I'm really looking for. So if you're a beta reader or an author comes to you and asks you to be a beta reader, um, get some clear lines of communication. Don't just get a free book. That, that's my advice for beta Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, I agree with everything you said. I don't really have much, much to add there. <laughs> But yeah, that's why I always say get more beta readers than you think you'll need because people will inevitably drop out or just disappear. So yeah, and you have somebody with a book sorry. that yeah, it has no value to you. So yeah. So you <laughs> mentioned how uh, you know you've grown Instagram and you know you've met lots of people. Um, what things have you found uh, valuable on social media to help grow your brand? Um, like I said, connections are super valuable. Um, again, most of the opportunities that I've gotten are from people that I've met through Instagram. Um, my first big event was at FanFusion though. So that totally was a game changer. But before that, it was Instagram. Um, again, I, most of my sales before I started doing in-person events were from Instagram. So, so getting your name out there, getting your books out there is super big and social media can help a lot with that. Um, so I would definitely say having any sort of form of social media Every author needs it, even if you don't want to. That's just kind of what the industry is nowadays. Um, but there's lots of different platforms to choose from. Like, I know YouTube works super well for some people. Instagram, TikTok, those are like all the big ones. I'm an Instagram person, but I would love to figure out how YouTube works. Yeah, <laughs> lots of different forms of, I don't even know people that are really good at newsletters. Like just having some way to connect with readers is is just valuable because you can't just slap your book up on Amazon and people will buy it because there are like thousands of books being published every year and if you're not out there no one's gonna find you now and that's that's part of the business side of it right mm -hmm. like 
there are people, and I got to admit that we'll write a book and not care. They'll put it up on Amazon, not mm-hmm. care about the sale. But if you want to be a, you know, a full-time author and you want to do this as a career to sustain yourself, mm-hmm. as a fantasy author, I can say, uh, or a science fiction author, I can say this personally, a lot of us are introverts. And so <laughs> in order to put yourself mm-hmm. out there to sell your book, you got to get uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. um, how did you first get over that? I mean, you, you're kind of an age where you grew up with social media where I wasn't. And so like to do this and kind of put myself out there, it's been a struggle. Um, how did you get over it? Um, so like you said, I do think I have a, a disadvantage. We have a, I have an advantage to the fact that I have just grown up with social media being normal, but I, I don't really, for the longest time, I was super duper camera shy. So the idea of like taking pictures of myself or like talking to strangers on the internet was absolutely terrifying. I'm like, I just want to write books. I don't want to do this part. So yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess I, I got over it because when it, it was a lot of practice and also I think focusing, making it a lot more of like a passion project. Like again, I make little funny reels with my characters. That's more like a fun little project that other people can see for me instead of thinking it as like, oh my goodness, this is a daunting marketing task. Um, because that's what social media is. People are here to be entertained. And so you're here to entertain as well. And I, there's ways to make it fun. Um, again, it does, it's a learning curve. I don't say throw yourself out there right away. <laughs> you can take your time, take the little steps um, and learn as you go. I Social media is hard. So I I would say totally take your time to learn what it takes to put yourself out there and find what works for you. Because again, there are lots of different people. There's lots of different niches. There's lots of different ways that people market and finding what works for you is, can be difficult and can take a lot of time. So I totally understand that it scares a lot of people and it can take more time for others. Like some people can go viral and they've only had like an account for a month. And I'm like, how did you even do this? (laughs) And some people went have from been around zero to a million. And I know I'm like, what? I just saw this author. I'm like, great for him, but he'd been like around for maybe like three months, and he had like a hundred thousand followers already, and like he was a bestseller. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> but see, some people are like naturally talented with the, um, the trends and taking videos on themselves, and but yeah, it 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 takes a lot because again, I think everybody has their different marketing styles and. Uh, but it's harder. And again, I think that's great advice. Like, you know, (laughs) taking it slow, um, Mm -hmm. you know, take it a step at a time. You don't have to do everything right now. And being able to, to understand that and recognize that in in yourself, I think is key. So that's, that's some great advice. Um, And we talked about a little bit before Um, you mentioned you, you want to go to conventions later on, but you know, Mm -hmm. you have some personal things moving going on in your, in your life. Um, If you get accepted to anywhere and you're, you're able to go, um what conventions are you looking at going to um yeah I'm like just learning about this whole convention like stuff I'm like wow I didn't know there were so many they're all over the place (laughs) I know it's crazy so like spoiler alert I'm moving to the San Diego area and I know that's where the comic con is um I was looking on going there until I saw how expensive it was and I was like okay so (laughs) hold your horses on that one but I guess the only things I'm looking at particularly is like homeschool conventions because I have a friend who does really well with them. And I think that that kind of fits my audience are like kids being schooled. And 
uh, I learned that there's like a whole bunch of them everywhere. That's really interesting. Again, my audience is young adults or like kids around 10 and up enjoy my book. So I think that that fits the the target audience. So I want to see if those work better, but I would still continue going to like any conventions just because they're super cool and there's lots of amazing people there. But yeah, I'm still learning about them though. So I don't really know. <laughs> they're all over my, my, I, I'd say home convention, but um, I'm just as far away from Phoenix as I am from Salt Lake, but it's, it's Fan Ag. So you can get there. I'd encourage oh. it. It's, it's huge and, and okay. great. And it has a great, um, a great indie um, vibe there. Like Fan X, is that what it's called? Fan X. Yep. Okay. I'll have to well, look it up after this. Before we before we go, do you have any final tips or tricks that you can give any any form of advice that hmm. we haven't covered? We've kind of talked about a lot. <laughs> I'm like, there's so much, but there's so little at the same time. I don't know. I guess I say this all the time at the end of stuff, but like, have fun. I think I'll, even though a lot of it is a professional side, you are truly writing because you love it. And if you're not, then what are you doing here? Um, it's an art. And it's incredible that you're even doing that. And so have fun with it. Don't lose your passion because if you're not having fun and you lose your passion, then there's no point in doing it at all. So I guess that's the only advice I really have left. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. Lauren, go ahead and tell people how they can get a hold of you or at least follow you on your social media accounts. Okay, awesome. And to how to get your book. Um, oh, yeah. So my book, uh, The Unanswered Questions, the series you can find it just on the answer questions it is available on almost all major retailers uh, online um, in select bookstores and in Arizona, but that probably doesn't apply to most people. So, and my Instagram, which I mentioned multiple times, is Lauren D. Fulter. There's no period after the D underscore author. And my email is Lauren D. Fulter with a period after the D at gmail.com. So, yeah, if, if everyone's head over there. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you yeah. so much for taking time out of your day um, today. I, I thank learned you so a lot much from for you. having me. Yeah, that's my first ever podcast. Speaking of when I was like starting to publish, I was like, if I get on a podcast, then I've made it. So when you <laughs> approached me at Fan Fusion, I was like, no way. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Really cool. I'm, I'm glad I was able to interview you and be your first. <laughs> so thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.